All right, welcome to the Ken Briggs Show. And tonight we're going to be talking to a young lady that uh, just got into metal detecting here a few years back. And she's from Columbia, Missouri, the city where my son lives and uh, works. And their name is Becky Mackey. Welcome, Becky. Hi. Hi, Jenny. Glad to have you on the show. So what got you into, <laughs> except for the weather, yeah, How, what got you into metal detecting, Becky? Um, actually, uh, arrowheads. I was looking at a Facebook group that, uh, about arrowheads, and I started looking at this gentleman's page, as a younger guy, <clears throat> and noticed that, uh, he belongs to a metal detecting group. And I'm like, metal detecting? Isn't that like for some little old man out on a beach <laughs> with shorty swords and long white tube socks? Yeah, 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 that's on. it. <laughs> yeah, and um, I'm like, so I start looking at this page a little bit, and I'm like, wait a second. I'm reading this guy's description, and he said that he had found some bullets in Jeff City. And then he said Jefferson City, and I'm like, what? Anyways, short story was I found out a guy that was two miles from me, metal detects. Um, we started having conversations uh, about history, and he asked me if I'd like to go sometime with him and his son, and I said yes. Um, we met up. And the first two times we went, it was basically Cannes Law. So then he asked me to go again, and we ended up in Fulton, Missouri, uh, which is a uh, large, I can't, I'm going to start over. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's all right. It's, it's pretty laid back, I'll tell you that. <laughs> okay. Well, anyways, we were detecting in Fulton, Missouri. Um, it is a Civil War area. Um, and I found my first 69 caliber bullet. Mm-hmm. And when I, when I seen the size of it, that's all it took for me to get it hooked to metal detecting. I think that somebody took that bullet. I mean, it, it's huge. Uh-huh. And the time I thought it was. Right. And anyways, um... We went a couple more times, and I got to meet some more people, met some more people on Facebook, and just started going all the time. In fact, I almost uh, felt like I was getting addicted to it, because I'd wake up in the middle of the night in summer, and I'd go to the local park, but I couldn't sleep, mm-hmm. and I would dig change at midnight. <laughs> um, and then I met up with some other friends who was in Warrensburg, and his father detected, and he's like 70 years, <clears throat> 70 years old, and we would go hit all the corner lots in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes vacant lots, um, big parks, just different areas, uh, basically change hunting, mm-hmm. flat hunting. Okay. Then I start uh, detecting more uh, Civil War items in Warrensburg, um, Jefferson City, um, and in Fulton. 
What do you like the most, relic hunting or coin hunting or a little bit of both? I like the diversity of both um, for the fact that um, I've been doing a bunch of dirt digging this last fall, and I'm ready to go back to Clad for a little bit just, just for the fun of it, mm-hmm. um, just laid-back atmosphere. Um, I'd like to get together with a group and... Uh, have a challenge like for an hour who can get the most change mm-hmm. um, you know then go back to relic digging okay how about uh, road tariffs hunting do they have money of that down there well um, there are some sidewalk tear outs but not road hunting have you ever done sidewalk hunts um, I have once or twice. Um, I have friends who work for the Department of Transportation, and a lot of times these construction inspectors, um, they'll give me a heads up. Oh, that's nice. Or I'll go to the city, and I'll look for streets that they're working on. Have you ever found anything really neat in the uh, sidewalk tear-up center or not? Um, an old pocket knife. Okay. Um, Indian head pennies. Um, iron. Not a whole lot. Okay. Yeah, that's where we hunt all summer long is we hit a lot of the street sidewalk tear-ups, and there's a ton of stuff that we come up with up here. Mm-hmm. What kind of machine you running? Um... Well, I'll start off that I start off with an Ace two fifty. Okay. And then I ended up going to the AT Pro. Okay. And with the AT Pro, um, I kinda get kept adding on. Um I got more nail coils, I got an Anderson shaft, um, got to know my machine really good. And this past year I bought me a CTX. Okay. And I'm possibly looking at buying maybe the Equinox 800. Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought about the White's V3i? You know, I really don't know anything about the White's machine. That's yeah, a top machine. Um, most people down here that I know um, are using the AT Pros and they gone to the mine labs okay not to say i wouldn't try one Mm -hmm. yeah that's what my main go-to machine is it's a three frequency machine and uh it tells you pretty much whether you're going to bend over and dig or not that's what's good about it's got color screen and stuff on it Hmm. i also have an at pro You know, I, I, I like the nail coils. Um, I couldn't explain why they seem to work so much better. Uh-huh. Um, but with the AT Pro that I have and the tornado coil, it's great and builds. Yeah, that works pretty good for a lot of people. Um, somebody said I should sell it. 
you know, I get my neural machine and I just can't part with it because it became a part of me. Right. You know, I've got 15 machines myself. (laughs) (laughs) But I've been hunting for 51 years, though, too. Um, I think this will be like my fifth year. Okay. The first two years heavily and then kind of sporadic on the last few years. It's a great hobby. What if uh, any little uh, any younger kids getting into it? What would you, what could you tell them about your short time into this hobby? What would you tell them? That it is fun. It's a great way to meet new friends. Um, you have to have patience, and you can't get discouraged. Um, and that. When you see people that have all these neat things that they find, some of it's luck, and a lot of it's a home. It's homework. It's, it's doing your research. Right. But just have fun with it. Right. Uh, how about your family? Are they into it or not? No, not really. I've offered to take them with me, and and you know I have the extra detectors, but no one has taken me up on that offer. They like to see what I find. They're interested in that, but as far as going, no. Okay. Do you belong to any clubs down there? No, you know, I don't. I think they used to have one here, but um, I think it fell apart. Um, there are some clubs in Springfield and St. Louis. Uh huh. Um, I belong to some clubs on Facebook, uh, and I tend to. I I do go up to Rhode Island and Massachusetts. Okay. I really don't belong to the clubs, but to their Facebook groups, I do. Okay. Uh, When you go up to Rhode Island and Massachusetts, what are you finding up there? Um, It depends. I've been on the beaches a few times, uh, musket balls, um, some silver, not a lot, uh, clad, uh, lead weights. <laughs> <laughs> but in the, um, I've tried the parks. Uh, the parks are very old. Okay. Um, and the couple times I've been up there, so here recently, have been in the wintertime. And so, of course, the ground's frozen and it doesn't work out too well. Right. But, um, this past year, I got my first Canadian large scent. Um, couple of rings uh they're uh old uh gold plated rings mm-hmm. um i mean head pennies uh i for quarters my first bar quarter i got last year before i started drinking them here at home okay uh it was made into a love token oh okay and, yep uh a seated dime uh like brand new well, that's good. Um, I got a button from the War of 1812, uh, the 62nd Regiment. That's an awesome find. It is. I'm hoping to go back to the spot where I got it from. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. I'd be going back there, too, finding something like that. Mm-hmm. So anything else that you can let me know about your treasure hunting endeavors that you uh, 
are finding or what you hope to find in the future? I have been told that I've had the most unbelievable beginner's luck that there is. Um, I think in my, not quite, it's my first year that I started detecting okay. that I ended up finding a cannonball in Warrensburg. Oh, those are nice. I was with a friend there digging, and we were at, like, at an old home site uh, in the middle of a war camp, or a civil war camp. And the place had been hunted out, supposedly, but with the newer detectors, you know, we'd gone out there. I was still new with AT Pro, and it was full of iron, full uh-huh. of nails. Yep. And I was kind of getting bummed out because I hadn't found anything, so I thought, you know what? I'm just going to clear this whole spot as any signal that there is. So I just started digging and digging and pulling out nails and using my pinpointer to get signals with. And I was pulling these bricks out of the ground, and then I kept getting this signal, and I'm like, pulled out another brick, and I couldn't see what I was grabbing. Mm-hmm. I, my hand, I had this root, and I could feel this when I thought first of the brick and ended up finding out that it was, I could tell it was round. And by the way it hit, hit my hand, I could tell it was a cannonball. I just knew before I even pulled it out. About three inches round? I'm sorry? Was it about three inches round or was it a bigger one? No, it was a solid six pound shot. Okay. I've got a three pound one that I found up here in Wisconsin. Oh, cool. Yeah. Let's see. Um, you know, like I said, it was supposed to be hunted out. And when I found that, everybody was like, you're lucky. Well, nothing is ever hunted out. I came back to that spot the next week, and I found a titanium man's wedding band. And then, um, and that was at a, a tree, that, a special tree. Uh-huh. So I came back a year later to the same spot, and I found this bell bag underneath that tree. This bag had um, a Pakistani coin in it, bells, shells, and beads. And I wasn't sure what what I quite found, but I knew I didn't feel right keeping it. Uh-huh. So I put it back and buried it. And left to go, and then I ended up finding out it was a money spell for somebody overseas. Oh, really? Um, the same year, uh, same year I found the cannonball, I found a boot pistol. I guess you have been having pretty good luck. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was a good year. Uh huh. What is uh, on your bucket list for fines? Bucket list for fines. Um, you know what? I really don't have one. Okay. I'm going to say a silver horn. Just like my friends found one. A silver what? A silver horn. Okay. Um... Wes Stringer, Chris Himesoff, and Jeff Ford. Okay. Uh, 
they were digging in a spot uh, down south, and I, I, way I understand the story goes is that this old farmer had been saving all the silver throughout the years in jars below his barn, and um, I guess he had passed away, and the barn had burnt, and so they just kind of shoved all the dirt in, and somehow they found that the location was there. They didn't know about the silver, but they were detecting and ended up getting all kinds of crazy signals, and that led to the silver horse, which is actually in this month's magazine of the uh, American Diggers. Okay. All right. Well, I guess we pretty much answered most of the questions I got for you. I would like to thank you for coming on to my show tonight. Well, thank you. I'm kind of short-winded tonight. Uh, the weather was really bad down here. Not as bad as it is up here. <laughs> <laughs> I think if I belonged in a frozen tundra, I'd have to use me uh, some kind of a blowtorch and heat the ground up. <laughs> It'd take more than that to heat the ground up up here. All right. Well, thanks, Becky, for coming on to the show tonight. And we'll uh, check in with you down the road and see what you're finding. And make sure you post your finds and stuff and let us see what's going on. I will do that. Thank you so much for having me on your show. All right. Thank you and take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Kenny Briggs Show. Today we're going to talk about entrepreneurship. Have you been interested in becoming your own boss and not have to worry about having a college education to get someplace nowadays? That's what they want you to do is go to college, get a college education, and you can't use your training that you've got because there is no jobs out there. Well, the problem is with trades right now is there is a shortage in trade skills, carpentry, electronics, plumbing, locksmithing, and many, many more. I'm going to talk a little bit about the locksmithing end because I became a locksmith after retiring from a law enforcement career. And... It's taken a lot of years to build up, but I didn't have to go to college to get the training. I went through a home correspondence course. There's other different places out there to get that. One of them is Foley Bellsaw. I went through the one in Scanton, Pennsylvania. It's over the internet and mail. And there's also the certification class in Dallas, Texas at the Associated Locksmiths of America International main office. Once you get your main locksmith training in, you have to decide what's the name of your business going to be. The thing of it is what you have to remember is if you put your name in it, and you go to sell your business down the road, 
the name will have to be changed to the new owners. Like our name, we named our business Chippewa Valley Lock and Key LLC. If someone buys our lock shop, they don't have to change the name. They can just change hands, change all the paperwork over, and keep the same name. That way, all the people that have continuously came to our business will continue coming to our business. If you build a new name for it, people will kind of, <clears throat> excuse me, kind of shy away and look for other avenues to go or di different locksmiths or do more stuff on the internet. So once you build yourself a name up and you've got a good clientele, you want to keep that. That will help the new owners down the road to where they don't have to fight to get people to come into the business. The next thing is you need to register at the local courthouse for your business to get your federal and state tax ID numbers. And then get your name registered through the county so you're a certified business. Then after that, then you start looking to see what equipment you're going to need. We started in our garage at home with one key machine and 860 key blanks. And we built it up to what we've got today. And I'll go into that further on down the talk. But we had one little cabinet and a bench in the corner of our garage. And that's where we started our lock shop. We have since moved twice. Went from our lock shop or our, our garage to downtown, and then uh, the place downtown was 800 square feet. And then from there, we went to a building up on the east hill of Chippewa, which is 2,000 square feet. So it's continually building. And we started with one truck. And we now have three trucks. So we'll get into more of that down the road. You don't have to jump and get a big building right away and go in debt. Because you don't need to. You have to check with your zoning offices and see if you can have your business in your garage in a residential area. So you have to check with your government agencies where you live. You can start out small and then work your business up to make it a bigger business down the road. You have to decide what key machines you're going to need. There's different things you have to have nowadays. Laser cutters, flat steel cutters, regular Cutters, tubular cutters, and the list goes on. There's computerized, there's manual, there's semi-automatic, there's automatic. You got to know what you want. You need to get training books. You need to get key blanks, micrometer, pinning kits, stock items for your store. If your store is big enough to handle that. 
for years we were not able to put a lot of our stuff out because the shop was so small that everything was packed in boxes. Nowadays with our new shop we have room to spread everything out and show the people just what we have there. The next thing is you need receipts. Contact a printing company in your area. Make up receipts with your information, your name, address, city, state, phone number, cell number, email address, website. Uh, put it on there whether you're on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and many more. Let the people know what you do. Business cards, I recommend getting business cards. You can hand them out to everybody. When we first started, I took business cards and went to every business in this area and dropped a business card, and that helped build our business. You also need a computer. You need a computer big enough with enough memory in it to hold an office program for your book work. Plus, you need different key programs that take up a lot of memory. So you've got to know what you uh, need and plan accordingly for that computer. Next thing is Facebook. Facebook business page. You can get on Facebook. You can get on LinkedIn. You can get on Twitter, Instagram, and many more. There's a lot of opportunity out there to advertise your business on the Internet. Another thing is a website. Do you want a website that you can build? Do you want a free website? Do you want to pay for a website? We have a, a website that we pay for every year. It's a business website, and it's set up with WordPress, and I have one with BraveNet. There's also GoDaddy out there. There's Wix. That, that's free. Are you able to build a website yourself, or do you have to pay for it? That's another expense. If you have to do it yourself, you have to buy a domain name. Another thing to advertise your business is podcasting, internet radio. Are you going to add podcasts to your website? If so, you need to pick out a website and a host that will hold your podcast so you can upload them onto your website. And another thing, like I said, get out and drop business cards, Get in, do it in person. They want to know who you, the owner, is. They don't want to have your employees out there knocking on doors, handing out business cards. They want to talk to you, the owner. And that's what builds your business. Next thing is shop light, a shop, well lit. Don't have it dark and dingy. That turns off a lot of people, and you'll lose business that way. 
in your shop, have it well lit, and have it so they can find products easily. When the public comes in, the do-it-yourselfers, the carpenters, uh, the mechanic or the uh, maintenance people from different bigger businesses and government agencies, they come in, they know what they want, they can pick it out, bring it to the counter, and out they go. You have to have a decent work area for your technicians away from the public. Seating area. You want a nice seating area for your customers. So if they're waiting to get some keys cut or service on locks, they'll be able to sit down. And like we have, we have a large screen TV on the wall of our shop. People can watch TV. Another thing is handout pamphlets. If you have your company that makes your receipts and stuff, your printing company, print up pamphlets to hand out. Have the TV for the people. And I'm going to leave it at that. And the next time we're going to get into vehicles and other things that are needed to run a locksmith business. So this will be a two-part show. So we can be contacted on www.cvlockandkey.org or contact my email. It's lockman, that's L-O-C-K-M-A-N, 209 at gmail.com. Phone number is 715 726-0687. Until next time, take care. Welcome to the Ken Briggs Show. Today, we're going to have a guest from the Rochester, Minnesota area who's been into the hobby just about as long as I have, 40-some years plus. His name is Bruce Kennedy, and... I want to welcome Bruce to the show. Welcome, Bruce. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, how long have you been detecting? Uh, I started in about 1973, I believe. What got you into uh, this great hobby? Well, you know, I guess my interest started in coins. I, uh, you know, I collected uh, coins in the early 60s. You know, I was trying to collect silver coins at that time. And I looked for silver coins in change in the early days. And of course, you could find a lot of them then. Oh, yeah. Not like now. That's right. Uh, and I, I just thought it was uh, a little expensive to be able, you know, I wasn't, you know, I was still in school. I wasn't working. And, and it was getting expensive, you know, to trade. Uh, you know, a dollar for, you know, two half dollars, you know, in silver just to put into a coin collection. So I never could afford to, to buy too many. Right. Um, and what got me started in the hobby, too, was I saw some detector ads in the early 70s. They were in some uh, magazines that I received, and, and I started, apply, you know, writing letters to these companies and requesting information. And I remember I bought my first detector in 1974. I think I paid $39 for it. What was that detector? It was a Jetco Mustang. Okay. I bought it at J.C. Penney. It was $39. It was an old BF 
good machine. I found a lot of coins with that thing my first year. And after getting that, I realized, hey, this, this might be worth investing a little bit more to get a little bit better machine. So I, of course, started working my way up mm-hmm. after that. But I had that first machine probably for a few months before I upgraded. What first? What was your first coin find when you found? When you, uh... If I remember, I, if, if I remember correctly, I was still living at home. And I had it in my folks' front yard. I was hunting in their front yard, and the first coin I found was a 1947 Roosevelt dime. And I mean, that got me hooked, <laughs> really, big time. My uh, my girlfriend at the time, who's my wife now, was with me, and uh, we were out well into the you know midnight, you know, messing around in the backyard with that thing. I mean, she went and got a flashlight, and I just couldn't put the thing down. So, uh, <laughs> I got hooked. I got hooked on it big time since. And in fact, I remember the first check that I wrote when once we got married and I had a checking account. The very first check that I wrote after we were married was for a metal detector. So mm-hmm. that sort of tells you my uh, my interest in the hobby. Just about as long as I've been into it. Yep. yep. I, I turned it'd be fifty one years this year. So, and it's so a great hobby. I mean. Do you have any kids that are in the uh, hobby world of it? Or well, not? I had, you know, I got one child, one boy. He's like forty-three now, mm-hmm. and uh, he's been interested in it to a certain degree. Uh, I could never get him real, you know, real turned on to it. But um, he came. He attended one of our club outings that we had, and he ended up winning. Uh, the detector which you donated actually it was that Orinoco hunt that we had uh-huh. in Orinoco, Minnesota. Yep. And he won the he won the Garrett detector that we were you were giving away for that that Ace three what was it Ace two fifty or Ace, yep. Ace, Ace three fifty. Yeah, I think it's Ace two fifty. Still got it, and you know he joined the club here a few years ago, and he's he's interested in it, but he's got so many other things going on right now that uh, between him and work and and his dog and everything else he's got very little time but he's gone out a few times with me and found a few things oh good he enjoys it how about your wife does she still get out with you or she well she never got interested in metal detecting but she's very patient she's willing to sit in the car Mm -hmm. for hours on end like my wife yeah she'll sit in the car and um and just you know read magazines or whatever and it was kind of funny one time we were we were in an old fairgrounds getting kind of towards the end of the season it was cool but the sun was warm and she was sitting in the car reading her magazines and wasn't even paying any attention to the surroundings and i went back to the car to put the machine away and the whole inside of the car was covered with flies they were trying to you know get in the car to get warm she didn't even notice them i mean i had to drive the thing about 60 miles an hour for about half an hour just to get most of them to fly out of there so, but she's she's enjoyed that part of it. She likes traveling around and riding in the car and stuff. Yeah. And we try to do that occasionally on weekends when we can. Just That's go good. Somewhere and... Yeah, my wife usually does book work and stuff. She's not into the hobby, but she'll go and sit like you, like like your wife, sit for hours, and she'll do yeah. book work or, or read yep. a magazine yeah, or something. She, and She enjoys it, too. Yeah, that's good. How about uh, different coins? I know uh, a friend of yours who I've talked to quite often, said you've got uh, an Indian Head Penny collection? Well, yeah, when I 
Well, when I first started, you know, you could find where I mean, you'd go to a schoolyard, and you know, depending on the age of the school, you'd find coins from that time period. And yep. I remember finding, you know, in the early years, dimes and pennies were probably the most common finds right. that you would make, and that was one of my goals in my in my early years was to, you know, because I found so many dimes, I wanted to see how how close I could come to completing a set of dimes would be, starting with Roosevelt's and then going to Mercury's and then back to Barber. But I also collected Indian heads as well and buffalo nickels. Mm-hmm. So I got a pretty good set of buffaloes. My Indian heads, I'm probably missing three or four perhaps, but I did finally complete my mercury dime set mm-hmm. uh, by finding the by finding the uh, 1916 D, the key date, and I found that, believe it or not, in a park uh, back in 2012, and I found it in a park that, that was one of my first places I ever hunted with my detector, mm-hmm. and I've been going back to this park for 40-some years, and so is everybody else. Uh-huh. And I found that I found that 16D dime about five or six inches deep in the about in the middle of the park where everybody and their brothers been. And I don't know how it got missed, but it did. Mm-hmm. And it was a it was a good one. It would grade strong, very fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's kind of what got me interested in the, the collecting part. And I've since then tried to upgrade. So every time I'd find another coin i'd try to upgrade it you know if it's a little bit better shape than the one i had i'd replace it with that one and so mm-hmm. on. but uh that was my my biggest goal and my biggest highlight of my life wow to find that to find a complete set of mercury dies and that is dimes and that includes the the 21d the 21 plane the 31s every one of them so mm-hmm. that that was quite an accomplishment well i guess yeah what about gold coins find any gold coins I, I found one gold coin, and I found that about, gosh, when, when was that? About 75 or 76. And it was ironic because it was in a schoolyard here in Rochester. It was, the school was built in 1916, I believe. Mm-hmm. And according to my research on the school, there used to be a saloon that was located on that site. And my brother-in-law found a $2.5 gold piece in the front lawn of that schoolhouse back in 75 or 76 mm-hmm. and uh, he showed me the one he found and every once in a while when we had nothing better to do we'd you know get together and we'd run over there and, and do some more hunting well it had been a hot day we went all the way over to Mondovi, wisconsin <laughs> to have a picnic and, and i remember i mean this stuff you don't forget right oh yeah no you don't went to Mondovi, wisconsin with my brother-in-law and we got there, and it was so hot that day, we couldn't even stand to be out. So we said, let's just drive home, and we'll, let's let it cool off a little bit, and then meet meet down at the schoolyard. Well, there was a park across the street from the school, too, which was fairly old, and we found coins there. But we got to hunting, and it was finally cooled off, and I we had a bet going. He said, you know, the first one that finds the, the oldest coin has to buy the other one a can of beer or whatever it was. <laughs> and... We're hunting, and, and I went across the street from the park over to the school, and I got a good signal, dug it up, and four inches deep of you know, dry soil, I see the outline of this, this coin, and it was kind of gold color. And I remembered finding some earlier uh, uh, 
mercury dimes, and they always had a kind of a yellowish hue to them, almost like they were toned or something. And mm-hmm. I thought, oh, it's another mercury dime that's got that tone. Well, when I picked it up right away, I knew it's too heavy to be a, a dime. And I look, and it was a it was a gold coin. Oh, wow. And I hollered over at my brother-in-law. I says, I says, well, I got it. You know, I got the the coin. Uh-huh. I says, well, it, is it a an old coin? And I said, well, does a gold coin count? caches you ever run into a cache not really no the one of the things though that got me interested in the hobby was one of the first places i went to try the the detector with there's a there's a middle school here in rochester mm-hmm. and behind the school uh it used to be a farm stead on that property and there was a hill behind the school and in the hill there used to be a, a, it was a sandstone hill, and it was dug out for, I don't know if they used it for storage of, of uh, food in the summertime, mm-hmm. but that was what the, the word was that I heard on it. And uh, it was a spot that, that the kids would always go to and, and run around inside there. Well, one day they finally decided, you know, it's unsafe for these kids to be in there, so they boarded or they, they put a door on the thing. Mm-hmm. And being a kid, you know, I was probably in about, I don't know, who knows, I wasn't very old. Mm-hmm. But I went back to the school, and where this door was, I thought, well, that won't keep me out. All I got to do is dig underneath the door, you know. Mm-hmm. It was all sand. And so I started digging, and lo and behold, I got a, a, a rusty tin. Okay, we're back on. Go ahead. I lost you. Yeah. Well, like I said, I was I was digging underneath this door and uh, thinking I would crawl underneath it to get in, just to horse around. And I found this tin box that was fairly rusty, and I shook it, and there was something in it. And I I opened it up, and I found maybe I don't know two dollars in change. It was all you know, vintage, you know, like, I remember a barber half. I found a night, it was a 1912 barber half and a bunch of pennies, some nickels, and I think a couple of dimes. It wasn't all, the, the total value on the thing was less than two bucks, I uh-huh. remember. But I was elated. I thought, holy cow, this is really cool. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I used to play up there a lot, and I thought, well, that was cool. I remember I took it to the coin store and sold it immediately, of course, uh-huh. you know. But another time I was back there, and we were horsing around on this hill, and I was running down a path, and I heard something, you know, I kind of tripped on a, on a stone or a rock or something, and I heard this kind of a ting, 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 and I, I looked, and here was another barber half dollar. I had kicked it up from somewhere. It was, it was obviously, it was laying there on the ground, and I, I kicked it up, wow. but I kept that one. And I thought, ever since then, I thought, man, that's kind of cool, you know. It'd be kind of nice to have a metal detector. Well, I went and I went and tried that spot, 
eight or ten, twenty years later, probably uh-huh. with a better detector. And of course, they've got no more signals under the door. But uh, right. there could still be stuff up in them woods. It's like I said, it was an old farmhouse that that they built the school on. Mm-hmm. And but there's so many pop cans and stuff back there now from kids nowadays that it was just about impossible to to hunt it. But that really got me going. Yeah, that, that was the closest to a cache I guess I'd I'd ever found. Huh. How about dog tags? You find anything like that? Dog tags, tags? Yep. Got some, got some nice dog tags. I've got uh, the best one that I've got, and I won't sell it. They've been after me to sell it, but it's it's from 1889. Mm. It's from the town of Henderson, Minnesota, which is a fairly small town over by, uh, kind of over by Mankato area, okay. right up the Mississippi. Um, Minnesota River, mm-hmm. and it was number 10, so it would have been the number 10 dog tag from 1889, and I think the thing was lost even before the, it got put on the dog, because it was just pristine condition, no oh, wear wow. whatsoever on it, and it's a it's a rare piece, you know, I've been told. Right. Uh, I guess I've heard that anything pre-1900 is considered desirable, uh-huh. uh, and so I found, I think, a total of four from there, I've got a 19, no, 1890 from Minneapolis, and I've got a 1890, or yeah, was it 1890? Yeah, 1892 from Fountain City, Wisconsin. And I don't remember what the other one was. I think I got four of them that, that predated 1900, but I've also got quite a number of earlier ones, you know, 1910 to 1930s. In fact, I found in one yard, I found two consecutive ones from the same, uh, in the same yard. It was, they were both from 1923, and they each were one number apart as, as far as the serial number. So that person must have had like two dogs or something, and right. they lost them both at the same time or something. Right. Uh, yeah, that was kind of cool. Yeah. What kind of machine you run in these days? Well, right now I got the, I still got the old uh, Mine Lab. Uh, Explorer SC Pro. Uh-huh. And I've had pretty good luck with it, but uh, I still use, and this is my favorite machine, is my old faithful uh, Judge, or not Judge 2, but uh, Garrett Freedom mm-hmm. 2. Oh, yeah. About 1976. Yep. Uh, I've got about three of them, and if I ever see another one, I'll buy it, because uh, you can't have too many of them. But that, that is one awesome machine, especially for the type of hunting I do now, which is a lot of the street construction stuff, mm-hmm. uh, where you're not depending 100% on depth, mm-hmm. but you need good discrimination. And that thing is just a, incredible for its ability to, to tune out nails and rusty stuff and, mm-hmm. and, and, and pick out the coins. It won't get super, super depth, but... Uh, you know that's why I'd use a mine lab then, but uh, that old that old Freedom Two has really been a, a good workhorse for me. Yeah, and they don't make the parts for that anymore either. No, I know it. Well, that's why I bought. I think I got three of them now, and one one is almost brand new. So because I had one uh, guy come in uh, the shop and wanted to get one fixed, and I sent it in for him, and Garrett yep. said, "Nope, throw it away and buy a new one." a used one try that but yeah, yeah i know it i you know i'm sure there's a lot of good detectors out there that will do the same thing but that thing is so um has been so useful to me it just works so good in that kind of conditioning right uh, that you know 
I prefer to use that over anything else. Yeah, Gareth uh, puts out a good my, machine, I'll tell you that. Well, those old ones are really good. I know some of the some of the models they came up with had some issues with their coils. Yep. And uh, I don't really, it seemed back in the day, it, it, either you had a hot one or you had one that wasn't so hot. Right. And uh, I know my, the first one I had was one of those really good ones, and then I bought another one, and I don't think it was nearly as good. Mm -hmm. At least it wouldn't go nearly as deep, and it had trouble. Uh, you couldn't, I, I think you, you couldn't even eliminate a nickel, if I remember right. You turn the scrim all the way up, and it would still pick up a nickel. Huh. But, uh, you know, it still works good. I still use it. I still find stuff with it, so mm -hmm. I'm going to continue to use it until... I no longer find anything with it, but it's been a good machine. That's good. What about clubs? Do you belong to any clubs? or? Yes, I started the club in Rochester. Um, What's the name of the club? Zumbro Valley Treasure Hunters. And we were established about, 19, well, February of 1980. And the reason for the club being uh, there, I, I was detecting already for about six, seven years, and... In 1980, if you remember, there was a big, is when the, when the silver uh, skyrocketed. Yep. Back in 19, early part of 1980, I think, is when silver hit its high. And it was, I don't remember how much it was now, but I remember at that, I think it was like $3.80 some cents for a dime. Mm -hmm. So it was like 38, 38 times face value. Right. And, well, back then, because of the, the high price of silver, everybody and their brother were getting into metal detecting, and it was fine, except a lot of the guys that, that thought they were going to get rich quick decided they just did, it didn't matter where they went. They'd go on private yards, they'd go anywhere they felt like it, and it was bothering me because I thought, you know, this is going to put an end to the hobby before it even gets started. You know, and there's and, still a lot of that going on with these new people buying oh, machines, I, you know, from... I, I, Understand, but the thing that really took the cake was there was a rumor going around here in Rochester that there was going to be a, a new ordinance, a park ordinance that they were going to put into place. And I, for some reason, thought it had to do with you know the banning of metal detectors. And I thought I can't have that. Uh -huh. So I went and approached. Well, I and another guy approached the Rochester Park Department people mm -hmm. and asked them what the scenario was. And they said, no, it wasn't a. It wasn't. A, it had to do with metal detecting it had to do with dog ordinances they were going to put a dog ordinance into place or something. oh okay so it wasn't that but then the guy that was the president or the head of the park board at that time was kind of interested he says yeah he says you know I've, I've seen you guys out and about he says what do you find and what you know what can you do with those things and and of course we told him well it finds coins but we find stuff for people return jewelry and whatnot and this and that and he thought hey that sounds like it would be kind of cool to have a a group like you, and we were looking for a place to have a meeting, mm -hmm. and he said, what we can do is we can, you know, put you in a place here in Rochester that we, we have control of, which was a nice old uh, doctor's mansion here in Rochester that they've converted into a, a public sort of area. They give tours. It's sort of like a museum now. Mm -hmm. they, they give you tours and stuff of it. But he uh, gave us a room in the basement. We had the whole room to ourselves, and... Uh, and uh, he offered to sponsor our club. In fact, the first several years, they actually even printed our newsletters for us. Oh, wow. And he had the secretary print the newsletters for us. That's nice. Well, we were there. We were there for. We were there for thirty years, 
And finally, one day we got a new a new uh, director of Parks and Rec, and he put a kibosh to that. He thought, you know, they could be renting that room out for money rather than just giving it to somebody once a month. And to this day, I don't think they've ever rented that room out even once. But that's too bad. We found other places to meet. Yeah, but it was nice because we had a room that we could lock up. So we had our own library down there. Uh-huh. We could lock the room up and had the key for it. Nice. And it, it, was, it was just nice. So yeah. uh, I've got to give the, the Rochester Park and Rec people kudos for, for their support back in the early days. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so far, we've been having good luck with them. We've not had any issues with metal detectors ever in Rochester. So let's hope we can keep it that way. But that was the main reason for starting the club. I wanted to to try and get people in, to enjoy the hobby, but to, to do it correctly and, and don't go to places without permission or places that you know are off limits. And back in those days, they didn't realize state parks were off limits. You know, mm-hmm. They were, even back then. So, right. uh, you know, it's just good that we didn't ever have any problems with that uh, ordeal. And not but make it a big competition to where, you know, that's, I'm going to get something before you do or whatever. Right. Right, and you know we we we've always have have had a great group of people. Mm-hmm. You know it's it's slowed down tremendously in forty years, but you know what do you expect? You know the places are harder to find. People don't have as much patience. Right. And you know it, as much as I like the hobby, it's it's hard. I mean, you go out and you you might find one or two old coins, but you take the whole day in doing it, and it's like, well, what's more important to get that or, or to mow the lawn and do your stuff? You got to do at home. And, Right. Uh, well, to me, it's always been the getting out and hunting because my my thing on that is I just enjoy getting out and doing it. I mean, there's times I don't even care if I find anything. I just want to swing the machine and I want to be in a spot. Just to be outside. Uh, yeah, where, the, where there's a potential of finding anything. You know? Right. If it's not old, I don't care. I'll go to the old school ground down the street. You know, it's been hit about 40 million times, but right. just to see if somebody might have lost something recently, you know, a ring or something like that. So, yeah, that's one advantage uh, I've got that I can walk over to the fairgrounds that's so within walking distance, or right. our Irvine Park has got 500 and some yep. acres to hunt. I mean, that those yep. places are well, not ever hunted out, and they never will be. No. You know, and, and one of the other things we've, we've always tried to stress in our club is, you know, we, we've, we've always tried to have some sort of a program at the meetings, which is getting harder and harder to do there. But right. uh, we've offered our assistance to the police here in town and in the sheriff's department. Uh, we did some work for, with civil defense at one time, uh, locating valuable property markers, things like that. Mm-hmm. And we've also uh, participated in a, in a look, uh, looking for parts from a crashed airline. If you remember back on the was that early 80s there was airlines flight uh, 232 that went from i want to say chicago but it went to it was going somewhere and it lost the engine over uh, middle of iowa uh-huh. it was the one that crashed it did that cartwheel crash landing in uh, in uh, sioux city iowa yep yeah i remember that well the the engine you know came off the off the plane somewhere before it it, it fell to the ground well it when the when the engine came off, it severed all the hydraulic lines that gave the, the ability for the plane to uh, go up or down. Right. So that was the reason for the crash. So General Electric was the company that 
manufactured the engine, and, and they were, of course, probably worrying about getting a lawsuit. And I think what's happening, I'm going to lose you here pretty soon because my phone's beeping at me. Okay. Well, let's see if there's any other... Oh, how many people were in your club when you started, and how many do they have now? Uh, yeah, we've had as many as 65 active members, you know, back in the early to mid-80s. And now we're just down to a handful of, you know, maybe 10 or 12, mm -hmm. 14 people. But uh, What are the dues for in the club? I, I think right now I think they're $30 annually or 35 if if you want to join as a couple. Mm -hmm. So, like you and your wife, it would be $35 a year, or if you just joined yourself, it would be like 30 Right. What about uh, email or website? Uh, how can people get a hold of either you or the club if they well, want to join? And where are the meetings held? The meetings are held at the First Ascension Church in Rochester, and I don't have the address right in front of me, but it's it's uh, right next to uh, a school. <laughs> Think of the school name. No, Willow fine. Creek Junior High School. Okay. Um, it's right on the edge of the south end of town. It's, uh, Will, uh, Willow Creek Junior High School is there, and it's right next to that. It's called Ascension Lutheran Church. Okay. And we meet the second Wednesday every month, 7 o'clock, and anyone that's well, that's interested in coming is welcome to attend without, you know, paying dues. If they want to come and just sit through a couple of meetings and see what we do, that's fine. We're not going to charge you a, a full membership mm -hmm. just for the newsletter and everything else. But, um, you know, we've tried to have more and more meeting topics, but it's harder and harder to get people to, to come uh, anymore to, to talk to people. Right. We could get some of the same old people back that we've had, and we do. We have done that and done quite well at it. So, mm -hmm. uh, but mainly, we just like to get together and talk about the hobby and share what people find, and have a find of the month competition, which is kind of a fun type of competition event. We don't have any uh, major, uh, you know, we aren't giving out major prizes or anything for who's got the best. We just. You know, it's more of a recognition. You get your name mentioned in the newsletters about it. So, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, but it's a lot of fun. We, we try to encourage people to bring in anything that they found. So we do that by anyone that enters, a, even if it's a pull tab, we, we take that and put, a, put their name in a hat for a drawing at the end of the meeting. So even if you find nothing more than a pull tab for the month, you still might have a chance of winning a silver quarter or something like that. So, right, right. And they anybody out there that's listening to this and wants to join the club, they can also get a hold of myself. I'm also a member, even though I'm in Chippewa Falls. My daughter lives in St. Charles, just outside of Rochester, and I get down there quite often. So that's one of the reasons why I joined the club, and I handle the uh, Facebook page for Zumbro Valley. Uh, so if they want to get a hold of me, they can also do that. So, okay, anything else that you can think of, Bruce, before we uh, close her out? Not really. Um, I just want to let you know, too, that a person doesn't have to invest a lot of money to get into this hobby. And an example of that is a fellow that used to be in our, our club. He lived over in La Crosse, found a $5 gold piece from, the eight, uh, from Dahlonega, Georgia, Mint. 
it was dated 1842, and he found that with, with a Radio Shack detector. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was about a $30 detector. And so it can be done. And, uh, I'll bet you that was lot, Pete I, Netzel, huh? Yep, yep. <laughs> yep, give him credit for that one. Yep. I know he found it because I saw it. Yep. So it was for real. Yeah, Pete told me about it, that you were hunting with him that time. Yep, yep. So... That's about all I can tell you here, Ken. Okay. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show, and sure. uh, we'll probably have you on again down the road. Or, and uh, hope you have a great hunting season this year. I plan to be oh, at I the meeting I... on uh, March. Uh, myself. Yeah. And... Check on that. Check on that meeting day because I'm not sure if it's Wednesday or Thursday this month. Randy okay. Would know that. But... Yeah, I'll, I'll check with Randy and see. But myself and Mike Schoonover will be down, and. Uh, We'll take in the meeting, and I'll be bringing in a bunch of equipment like I usually do, you know, uh, well, machines and stuff. You know, we love we love to have you, Ken. So I'll try to talk to as many people as I can think of to try and get them to come to that meeting too. Yep. Uh, you know, some of the people that don't come that often, and see if I can encourage them to show up for that kind of meeting. Because in the past, that's always been our best meeting of the year. Is that one in the you know our uh, March or May? You know where where we have dealers demonstrate what products are out and what's new and stuff right. for sale and things like that. So looking forward to that, too. Yep. All right. Very good. Well, thanks again, Bruce, Thank for you. coming on. And like I said, happy hunting, and I'll see you probably in March. All right. Thank you, and take care. All right. You too, buddy. Bye. Bye. Bruce Kennedy from Rochester, Minnesota. He is the person that started... Zumbro Valley Treasure Hunters in Minnesota. So if you want to get into that club, they've got a pretty decent little club going there. And you're interested in metal detecting, contact Bruce. Or you can get a hold of me and I'll put you in contact with either Bruce or Randy, who is the uh, club president right now. So until next time, you take care, God bless, and happy hunting. Welcome to the Ken Briggs Show. Today we're going to have a guest from the Rochester, Minnesota area who's been into the hobby just about as long as I have, 40-some years plus. His name is Bruce Kennedy, and I want to welcome Bruce to the show. Welcome, Bruce. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, how long have you been detecting? Uh, I started in about 19. 19- Seventy-three, I believe. What got you into uh, this great hobby? Well, you know, I guess my interest started in coins. I, uh, you know, I collected uh, coins in the early '60s. You know, I was trying to collect silver coins at that time, and I looked for silver coins in change in the early days. And of course, you could find a lot of them then. Oh yeah, not like now. That's right. Uh, and I, I just thought it was uh, a little expensive to be able, you know, I wasn't, you know, I was still in school, I wasn't working, and, and it was getting expensive, you know, to trade, uh, you know, a dollar for, you know, two half dollars, you know, in silver just to put into a coin collection. So I never could afford to, to buy too many. Right. Um, and what got me started in the hobby, too, was I saw some detector ads in the early 70s. They were in some... Uh, magazines that I received and, and I started to you know 
writing letters to these companies and requesting information. And I remember I bought my first detector in 1974. I think I paid $39 for it. What was that detector? It was a Jetco Mustang. Okay. I bought it at J.C. Penney. It was $39. It was an old BFO, and uh, it was a good machine. I found a lot of coins with that thing my first year. And after getting that, I realized, hey, this, this might be worth investing a little bit more to get a little bit better machine. So I, of course, started working my way up mm-hmm. after that. But I had that first machine probably for a few months before I upgraded. What first? What was your first coin find when you found? When you? Uh... If I remember, I if if I remember correctly, I was still living at home, and I had it in my folks' front yard. I was, I was hunting in their front yard, and the first coin I found was a 1947 Roosevelt dime, and I mean that got me hooked, <laughs> really big time. My uh, my girlfriend at the time, who's my wife now, was with me, and uh, we were out well into the, you know, midnight, you know, messing around in the backyard with that thing. I mean, she went and got a flashlight, and I just couldn't put the thing down. So, uh, I got hooked. I got hooked on it big time since. And in fact, I remember the first check that I wrote when once we got married and I had a checking account, the very first check that I wrote after we were married was for a metal detector. So mm-hmm. that sort of tells you my, uh, my interest in the hobby. Just about as long as I've been into it. Yep. yep. I, I turned it'd be fifty one years this year, so and it's you know, a great hobby. 40. I mean do you have any kids that are in the uh hobby world of it? Or well, not? I had you know, I got one child, one boy, he's like forty three now. Mm-hmm. And uh he's been interested in it to a certain degree. Uh I could never get him real you know, real turned on to it, but um he came, he attended one of our club outings that we had, and he ended up winning uh, the detector, which you donated, actually. It was that Orinoco hunt that we had uh-huh. in Orinoco, Minnesota. Yep. And he won the, he won the Garrett detector that we were, you were giving away for that, that Ace 3, what was it, Ace 250 or Ace, yep. Ace, Ace 350? Yeah, I think it's Ace 250. And he still got it, and, you know, he joined the club here a few years ago. And he's he's interested in it, but he's got so many other things going on right now that uh, between him and work and and his dog and everything else, he's got very little time. But he's gone out a few times with me and found a few things. Oh, good. He enjoys it. How about your wife? Does she still get out with you, or? She well, she never got interested in metal detecting, but she's very patient. She's willing to sit in the car mm-hmm. for hours on end. Like my wife. Can. Yeah, she'll sit in the car. And um, and just you know read magazines or whatever. And it was kind of funny. One time we were we were in an old fairgrounds. It was getting kind of towards the end of the season. It was cool, but the sun was warm. And she was sitting in the car reading her magazines and wasn't even paying any attention to the surroundings. And I went back to the car to put the machine away, and the whole inside of the car was covered with flies. They were trying to you know get in the car to get warm. She didn't even notice them. I mean, I had to drive the thing about 60 miles an hour for about half an hour just to get most of them to fly out of there. So, but she's, she's enjoyed that part of it. She likes traveling around and riding in the car and stuff. Yeah. We try to do that occasionally on weekends when we can. Just That's go good. Somewhere and, yeah, my wife usually does book work and stuff. She's not into the hobby, but she'll go and sit like you, 
like like your wife sit for hours and she'll do yeah. book work or or read so, a magazine yeah, or something she, and she enjoys it too. Yeah, that's good. How about uh, different coins? I know uh, a friend of yours who I've talked to quite often said you've got uh, an Indian head penny collection. Well, yeah, when I well when I first started, you know, you could find where I mean, you'd go to a schoolyard and, you know, depending on the age of the school, you'd find coins from that time period. And yep. I remember finding, you know, in the early years, dimes and pennies were probably the most common finds right. that you would make. And that was one of my goals in my, in my early years was to, you know, because I found so many dimes, I wanted to see how, how close I could come to completing a set of dimes would be, starting with Roosevelt's and then going to Mercury's and then back to Barber. But I also collected Indian heads as well and Buffalo nickels. Mm -hmm. So I got a pretty good set of Buffaloes. My Indian heads, I'm probably missing three or four perhaps. But I did finally complete my Mercury dime set Mm -hmm. uh, by finding the the, uh, 1916D, the key date. And I found that, believe it or not, in a park uh, back in 2012. And I found it in a park that, that was one of my first places I ever hunted with my detector. Mm-hmm. And I've been going back to this park for 40-some years, and so has everybody else. Uh-huh. And I found, that, I found that 16D dime about five or six inches deep, in the, about in the middle of the park where everybody and their brother has been. And I don't know how it got missed, but it did. Mm-hmm. And it was a it was a good one. It would grade strong, very fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's kind of what got me interested in the, the collecting part. And I've since then tried to upgrade. So every time I'd find another coin, I'd try to upgrade it. You know, if it's a little bit better shape than the one I had, I'd replace it with that one. So, mm-hmm. but uh, that was my my biggest goal and my biggest highlight of my life. Wow. To find that to find a complete set of mercury dies and that is dimes and that includes the, the 21d the 21 plane the 31s every one of them so mm-hmm. that that was quite an accomplishment well i guess yeah what about gold coins find any gold coins I, I found one gold coin and i found that about gosh when, when was that about 75 or 76 and it was ironic because it was in a schoolyard here in rochester it was, the school was built in 1916, I believe. Mm-hmm. And according to my research on the school, there used to be a saloon that was located on that site. And my brother-in-law found a $2.5 gold piece in the front lawn of that schoolhouse back in 75 or 76. Mm-hmm. And uh, he showed me the one he found. And every once in a while, when we had nothing better to do, we'd you know, get together and we'd run over there and, and do some more hunting. Well, it had been a hot day. We went all the way over to Mondovi, Wisconsin okay, to have a picnic. And, and I remember, I mean, this stuff you don't forget, right? Oh, yeah. No, you don't. Went to Mon- Mondovi, Wisconsin with my brother-in-law, and we got there, and it was so hot that day we couldn't even stand to be out. So we said, let's just drive home and let's let it cool off a little bit and then meet meet down at the schoolyard. Well, there was a park across the street from the school, too which was fairly old, and we found coins there. But we got to hunting, and it was finally cooled off, and I, we had a bet going. He said, you know, the first one that finds the, the oldest coin 
has to buy the other one a can of beer or whatever it was. <laughs> and we're hunting, and, and I went across the street from the park over to the school, and I got a good signal, dug it up, and four inches deep of you know, dry soil, I see the outline of this, this coin, and it was kind of gold color. And mm-hmm. I remembered finding some earlier uh, uh, mercury dimes, and they always had a kind of a yellowish hue to them, almost like they were toned or something. And I mm-hmm. thought, oh, it's another mercury dime that's got that tone. Well, when I picked it up right away, I knew it's too heavy to be a, a dime. And I looked, and it was a, it was a gold coin. Oh, wow. And I hollered over at my brother-in-law. I says, I says, well, I got it. You know, I got the, the coin. Uh-huh. He says, well, it, is it a, an old coin? And I said, well, does a gold coin count? caches you ever run into a cache not really no the one of the things though that got me interested in the hobby was one of the first places i went to try the the detector with there's a there's a middle school here in rochester mm-hmm. and behind the school uh it used to be a farm shed on that property and there was a hill behind the school and in the hill there used to be a, a it was a sandstone hill and it was dug out for I don't know if they used it for storage of, of uh, food in the summertime mm-hmm. but that was what the the word was that I heard on it and uh, it was a spot that that the kids would always go to and, and run around inside there well one day they finally decided you know it's unsafe for these kids to be in there so they boarded or they they put a door on the thing. Mm-hmm. And being a kid, you know, I was probably in about, I don't know, who knows, I wasn't very old. Mm-hmm. But I went back to the school, and where this door was, I thought, well, that won't keep me out. All I got to do is dig underneath the door, you know. Mm-hmm. It was all sand. And so I started digging, and lo and behold, I got a, a, a rusty tin. Okay, we're back on. Go ahead. I lost you. Yeah. Well, like I said, I was I was digging underneath this door and uh, thinking I would crawl underneath it to get in, just to horse around. And I found this tin box that was fairly rusty, and I shook it, and there was something in it. And I I opened it up, and I found maybe I don't know two dollars and change. It was all you know, vintage, you know, like, I remember a barber half. I found a night, it was a 1912 barber half and a bunch of pennies, some nickels, and I think a couple of dimes. It wasn't all, the, the total value on the thing was less than two bucks, I uh-huh. remember. But I was elated. I thought, holy cow, this is really cool. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I used to play up there a lot, and I thought, well, that was cool. I remember I took it to the coin store and sold it immediately, of course, uh-huh. you know. But another time I was back there, and we were horsing around on this hill, and I was running down a path, and I heard something, you know, I kind of tripped on a, on a 
stone or a rock or something, and I heard this kind of a ting, 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 and I, I looked, and here was another barber half dollar. I had kicked it up from somewhere. It, it was Obviously, it was laying there on the ground, and I, I kicked it up. Wow. But I kept that one, and I thought, ever since then, I thought, man, that's kind of cool, you know? It'd be kind of nice to have a metal detector. Well, I went and, I went and tried that spot, you know, 20 or 10, 20 years later, probably, uh-huh. with a better detector. And, of course, I'd got no more signals under the door, but uh, right. there could still be stuff up in them woods. It's Like I said, it was an old farmhouse that, that they built the school on, mm-hmm. and but there's so many pot cans and stuff back there now for kids nowadays that it was just about impossible to, to hunt it. But that really got me going. Yeah, That, that was the closest to a cache, I guess, I'd, I'd ever found. Huh. How about dog tags? You find anything like that? Dog tax tags? Yeah, got some got some nice dog tags. I've got uh, the best one that I've got, and I won't sell it. They've been after me to sell it, but it's it's from 1889. Mm. It's from the town of Henderson, Minnesota, which is a fairly small town over by uh, kind of over by Mankato area, okay. right up the uh, Minnesota River, mm-hmm. and it was number ten, so it would have been the number ten dog tag from. 1889, and I think the thing was lost even before the got put on the dog because it was just pristine condition, no oh, wear wow. whatsoever on it, and it's a it's a rare piece, you know. I've been told. Right. Uh, I guess I've heard that anything pre 1900 is considered desirable. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And so I found I think a total of four from there. I've got a 19 no 1890 from. Minneapolis, and I've got a 1890, or was it 1890? Yeah, 1892 from Fountain City, Wisconsin. And I don't remember what the other one was. I think I got four of them that, that predated 1900. But I've also got quite a number of earlier ones, you know, 1910 to 1930s. In fact, I found in one yard, I found two consecutive ones from the same, uh, in the same yard. It was they were both from 1923, and they each were one number apart as, as far as the serial number. So that person must have had, like, two dogs or something, and right. uh, they lost them both at the same time or something. Right. Uh, yeah, that was kind of cool. Yeah. What kind of machine you running these days? Well, right now I got the, I still got the old uh, MindLab uh, Explorer SC Pro. Uh-huh. And I've had pretty good luck with it, but... Uh, I still use, and this is my favorite machine, is my old faithful uh, Judge, or not Judge 2, but uh, Garrett Freedom mm-hmm. 2. Oh, yeah. About 1976. Yep. Uh, I've got about three of them, and if I ever see another one, I'll buy it because uh, you can't have too many of them. But that that is one awesome machine, especially for the type of hunting I do now, which is a lot of the street construction stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, where you're not depending 100% on depth, mm-hmm. but you need good discrimination. And that thing is just a, incredible for its ability to, to tune out nails and rusty stuff and, mm-hmm. and, and and pick out the coins. It won't get super, super depth, but, uh, you know, that's why I'd use a mine lab then. But uh, that old... That old Freedom 2 has really been a, a good workhorse for me. Yeah, and they don't make the parts for that anymore either. No, I know it. Well, that's why I bought it. I think I got three of them now, and one one is almost brand new. Because so. I had one uh, but I've, guy come in uh, the shop and wanted to get one fixed, and I sent it in for him. 
And Garrett yep. said, nope, throw it away and buy a new one. <laughs> yeah, or find one that you can, if you can find a used one, try that. But, yeah, yeah. I know it. I, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of good detectors out there that will do the same thing, but that thing is so... Um, has been so useful to me. It just works so good in that kind of conditioning right. uh, that, you know, I prefer to use that over anything else. Yeah, Gareth uh, puts out a good my, machine, I'll tell you that. Well, those old ones are really good. I know some of the some of the models they came up with had some issues with their coils. Yep. And uh, I don't know, they, it seemed back in the day, it, it, either you had a hot one or you had one that wasn't so hot. Right. And uh, I know my, the first one I had was one of those really good ones, and then I bought another one, and I don't think it was nearly as good. Mm -hmm. At least it wouldn't go nearly as deep, and it had trouble. Uh, you couldn't, I, I think you, you couldn't even eliminate a nickel, if I remember right. You turn the scrim all the way up, and it would still pick up a nickel. Huh. But, uh, you know, it still works good. I still use it. I still find stuff with it, so mm -hmm. I'm going to continue to use it until... I no longer find anything with it, but it's been a good machine. That's good. What about clubs? Do you belong to any clubs? or? Yes, I started the club in Rochester. Um, What's the name of the club? Zumbro Valley Treasure Hunters. And we were established about 19, well, February of 1980. And the reason for the club being uh, there, I, I was detecting already for about six, seven years, and... In 1980, if you remember, there was a big, is when the, when the silver uh, skyrocketed. Yep. Back in 19, early part of 1980, I think, is when silver hit its high. And it was, I don't remember how much it was now, but I remember at that, I think it was like $3.80 some cents for a dime. Mm -hmm. So it was like 38, 38 times face value. Right. And, well, back then, because of the, the high price of silver, everybody and their brother were getting into metal detecting, and it was fine, except a lot of the guys that, that thought they were going to get rich quick decided they just did, it didn't matter where they went. They'd go on private yards, they'd go anywhere they felt like it, and it was bothering me because I thought, you know, this is going to put an end to the hobby before it even gets started. You know, and there's and, still a lot of that going on with these new people buying oh, machines, I, you know, from... I, I totally understand, but the thing that really took the cake was there was a rumor going around here in Rochester that there was going to be a, a new ordinance, a park ordinance that they were going to put into place. And I, for some reason, thought it had to do with, you know, the banning of metal detectors. And I thought, I can't have that. Uh -huh. So I went and approached, well, I and another guy approached the Rochester Park Department people mm -hmm. and asked them what the scenario was. And they said, no, it wasn't a, it wasn't, a, it had to do with, metal detecting it had to do with dog ordinances they were going to put a dog ordinance into place or something oh, okay so it wasn't that but then the guy that was the president or the head of the park board at that time was kind of interested he says yeah he says you know I've, I've seen you guys out and about he says what do you find and what you know what can you do with those things and and of course we told him well it finds coins but we find stuff for people return jewelry and whatnot and this and that and he thought hey that sounds like it would be kind of cool to have a a group like you and we were looking for a place to have a meeting mm -hmm. and he said what we can do is we can you know put you in a place here in rochester that we we have control of which was a nice old uh doctor's mansion here in rochester that they've converted into a, a public sort of area they give tours it's sort of like a museum now mm -hmm. they, they give you tours and stuff of it but he uh 
gave us a room in the basement. We had the whole room to ourselves, and uh, and uh, he offered to sponsor our club. In fact, the first several years, they actually even printed our newsletters for us. Oh, wow. And had the secretary print the newsletters for us. That's nice. Well, we were there. We were there for we were there for thirty years, and finally one day we got a new a new uh, director of Parks and Rec, and he put a kibosh to that. He thought, you know, they could be renting that room out for money rather than just giving it to somebody once a month. And to this day, I don't think they've ever rented that room out even once. But that's too bad. We found other places to meet. Yeah, but it was nice because we had a room that we could lock up. So we had our own library down there. Uh-huh. We could lock the room up and had the key for it. Nice. And it, it, was, it was just nice. So. Yeah. Uh, I've got to give the the Rochester Park and Rec people kudos for for their support back in the early days. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so far, we've been having good luck with them. We've not had any issues with metal detectors ever in Rochester. So let's hope we can keep it that way. But that was the main reason for starting the club. I wanted to to try and get people in, to enjoy the hobby, but to, to do it correctly and and don't go to places without permission or places that you know are off limits and Back in those days, they didn't realize state parks were off limits. You know, mm-hmm. They were, even back then. So, right. Uh, you know, it's just good that we didn't ever have any problems with that uh, ordeal. And not and make it a big competition to where, you know, that's, I'm going to get something before you do or whatever. Right, right. And, you know, we, we, we've always have, have had a great group of people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's... It's slowed down tremendously in 40 years, but, you know, what do you expect? You know, the places are harder to find. People don't have as much patience. Right. And, you know, it, as much as I like the hobby, it's it's hard. I mean, you go out and you, you might find one or two old coins, but you take the whole day in doing it, and it's like, well, what's more important, to get that or, or to mow the lawn and do your stuff you got to do at home? And, right. Uh, well, to me, it's always been the getting out and hunting because my my thing on that is i just enjoy getting out and doing it i mean there's times i don't even care if i find anything i just want to swing the machine and i want to be in a spot just to be outside yeah where where there's a potential of finding anything you know right it's not old i don't care i'll go to the old school ground down the street you know it's been hit about 40 million times but right to see if somebody might have lost something recently you know a ring or something like that so yeah that's one advantage uh, i've got that I can walk over to the fairgrounds that's so within walking distance, or right. our Irvine Park has got 500 and some yep. acres to hunt. I mean, that those yep. places are well, not ever hunted out, and they never will be. No. You know, and, and one of the other things we've, we've always tried to stress in our club is, you know, we, we've, we've always tried to have some sort of a program at the meetings, which is getting harder and harder to do there, but... right. Uh, we've offered our assistance to the police here in town and in the sheriff's department. Uh, we did some work for, with civil defense at one time, uh, locating valuable property markers, things like that. Mm-hmm. And we've also uh, participated in a, in a look uh, looking for parts from a crashed airline. If you remember back on oh, the what the heck was that early '80s, there was airline flight uh, 232 that went from. I want to say Chicago, but it went to, it was going somewhere, and it lost the engine over the uh, middle of Iowa. Uh-huh. It was the one that crashed, it did that cartwheel crash landing in uh, in uh, Sioux 
Sioux City, Iowa. Yep, yeah, I remember that. Well, the the engine, you know, came off the off the plane somewhere before it it, it fell to the ground. Well, it, when the when the engine came off, it severed all the hydraulic lines that gave the the ability for the plane to uh, go up or down. Right. And so that was the reason for the crash. So General Electric was the company that manufactured the engine, and, and they were, of course, probably worrying about getting a lawsuit. And I think what's happening, I'm going to lose you here pretty soon because my phone's beeping at me. Okay. Well, let's see if there's any other... Oh, how many people were in your club when you started, and how many do they have now? Uh, yeah, we've had as many as 65 active members, you know, back in the early to mid-'80s. And now we're just down to a handful of, you know, maybe 10 or 12, mm-hmm. 14 people. But uh, What are the dues for tr- in the club? I, I think right now I think they're $30 annually or 35 if if you want to join as a couple. Mm-hmm. So like you and your wife, it would be $35 a year. Or if you just joined yourself, it would be like 30 Right. What about... Uh, email or website uh, how can people get a hold of either you or the club if they well, want to join and where are the meetings held the meetings are held at the first ascension church in rochester and i don't have the address right in front of me but it's it's uh right next to uh a school <laughs> think of the school name no, Willow that's fine. Creek Junior High School. Okay. Um, it's right on the edge of the south end of town. It's, uh, Will, uh, Willow Creek Junior High School is there, and it's right next to that. It's called Ascension Lutheran Church. Okay. And we meet the second Wednesday every month, 7 o'clock. And anyone that's wel- that's interested in coming is welcome to attend without you know paying dues. If they want to come and just sit through the couple of meetings and see what we do that's fine we're not going to charge you a, a full membership mm-hmm. just for the newsletter and everything else but um, you know we've tried to have more and more meeting topics but it's harder and harder to get people to, to come uh, anymore to to talk to people right we could get some of the same old people back that we've had and we do we have done that and done quite well at it so mm-hmm. uh but mainly we just like to get together and talk about the hobby and share what people find and have a find of the month competition, which is kind of a fun type of competition event. We don't have any uh, major, uh, you know, we aren't giving out major prizes or anything for who's got the best. We just, you know, it's more of a recognition. You get your name mentioned in the newsletters about it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. uh, but it's a lot of fun. We, we try to encourage people to bring in anything that they found so we do that by anyone that enters, a, even if it's a pull tab, we we take that and put a put their name in a hat for a drawing at the end of the meeting. So even if you find nothing more than a pull tab for the month, you still might have a chance of winning a silver quarter or something like that. So, right, right. And they, anybody out there that's listening to this and wants to join the club, they can also get a hold of myself. I'm also a member, even though I'm in Chippewa Falls. My daughter lives in St. Charles, just outside of Rochester, and I get down there quite often. So that's one of the reasons why I joined the club, and I handle the uh, Facebook page for Zumbro Valley. Uh, so if they want to get a hold of me, they can also do that. Right. So, okay, anything else that you can think of, Bruce? Well, 
before we uh, close her out? Not really. Um, I just want to let you know, too, that a person doesn't have to invest a lot of money to get into this hobby. And an example of that is a fellow that used to be in our, our club. He lived over in La Crosse found a $5 gold piece from the eight, uh, from Dahlonega, Georgia, Mint. It was dated 1842, and he found that with, with a Radio Shack detector. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was about a $30 detector. And so it can be done. And, uh, he's I'll bet you that was a lot Pete Netzel, huh? Yep, yep. <laughs> yep, give him credit for that one. Yep. I know he found it because I saw it. Yep. So it was for real. Yeah, Pete told me about it that you were hunting with him that time. Yep, yep. So. That's about all I can tell you here, Ken. Okay, well, I appreciate you coming on the show, and sure. uh, we'll probably have you on again down the road, or, and uh, hope you have a great hunting season this year. I plan to be oh, at I the meeting I... on uh, March, uh, myself. Yeah, and check, on that. check on that meeting day, because I'm not sure if it's Wednesday or Thursday this month. Randy okay. would know that. Yeah, I'll, I'll check with Randy and see, but myself and Mike Schoonover will be down, and uh, we'll take in the meeting, and I'll be bringing in a bunch of equipment like I usually do, you know, uh, well, machines and stuff. You know, we love, we love to have you, Ken, so I'll try to talk to as many people as I can think of to try and get them to come to that meeting, too. Yep. Uh, you know, some of the people that don't come that often, and see if I can encourage them to show up for that kind of meeting, because in the past, that's always been our best meeting of the year is that one in the, you know our uh, March or May you know where where we have dealers demonstrate what products are out and what's new and stuff right. for sale and things like that so looking forward to that too yep all right very good well thanks again Bruce Thank for you. coming on and like I said happy hunting and I'll see you probably in March all right thank you and take care all right you too buddy bye bye Bruce Kennedy from Rochester Minnesota he is the person that started Zumbro Valley Treasure Hunters in Minnesota. So if you want to get into that club, they've got a pretty decent little club going there. And you're interested in metal detecting, contact Bruce. Or you can get a hold of me and I'll put you in contact with either Bruce or Randy, who is the uh, club president right now. So until next time, you take care, God bless, and happy hunting. Okay, welcome to the Ken Briggs Show. Today we're talking to Scott Olson. He's from Oakdale, Minnesota. He's been detecting for a while. So we're going to let Scott... Actually, I'm from uh, from, uh, South Minneapolis. Oh, South Minneapolis. Okay. I'll let you uh, take it from here, Scott, and tell us about uh, how long you've been detecting and things like that. Well, uh, I've been detecting about six years. Um, I actually got into it. A friend of mine moved back from California and uh, came over one day, just happened to bring his finds along that he'd found while he was out in California, and it kind of uh, piqued my interest. And at the time, I was um, kind of in a transition period, looking for uh, something to do, something to keep me active, getting outside, and um, just keep me busy. So I, I thought, yeah, sounds like a really good idea, and I bought my first metal detector. I uh, didn't know anything about it, and I bought a... Uh, Trident, uh, Viper Trident. Okay. And of course, it's a water detector. Um, and a cheap one at that. <laughs> uh, I 
actually, they were pretty expensive at the time, but there was a good deal going through uh, one of the uh, metal detector dealers. Right. I actually picked that up on my first one. Um, first day out, found a uh, rock I swore was a meteorite and spent the next week trying to get it verified and going through uh, uh, University of Minnesota, getting down to their geological department and talking to one of the professors. Okay. Turned out to be a big chunk of iron ore. No. So that was my... That was my first first big thrill. I think I found uh, eight cents that day, and I was I was pretty excited about it. <laughs> oh, that's good. At least you found something, then you know. Oh, definitely. Yeah, it definitely uh, definitely got me addicted after that. Do you have any kids that are into the hobby? I do not have any kids that are into the hobby. I only have a daughter, but I did buy my youngest grandson uh, this year a uh, starter metal detector. Um, he's only he's only four. Yeah, one of the kids' models. Oh yeah. Um, uh, of course we haven't been able to get out because it's been you know cold and wintry. But uh, yeah, yeah. According to my daughter, he's uh he's ran through quite a few batteries in it already, searching the house for anything that happens to be metal in the house. So <laughs> I'm kind of hoping he gets the catches the bug. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. So you've been doing it for six years, you said. Yep, this will be I think my seventh season. Okay, what kind of machine you're running now? I uh, currently am running my E-Track. Okay. Um, really enjoy it. I uh, got that. Uh, last season was my actually my first full season on it. Um, really started feeling comfortable near the end. I got it near the end of the, the previous season of that. And it was a little bit confusing, even though I had metal detected quite a while. I used the AT Pro before that. So, you know, I had the, I had the basics, but it's, you know, quite a big leap from, from one to the other. So, right. Um, I really, I really like it. Uh, you know, it, it really, really tells you what's underneath that coil once you start getting used to uh, the tones and oh, yeah. and so on and so forth. And having having the the uh, visual display on it along with the uh, uh, VDI readings is, uh, um, you know, pretty helpful. Yeah. Uh, one it, thing, one thing I can say, one thing I can say about it is once I went to the E track, I haven't dug a bottle cap since. Um, you know, some of the bigger screw-on type, boost type bottle caps I've yep. dug up, but as far as the uh, pop bottle caps, you know, they just they show up in that lower uh, right-hand corner, even though they sound good. You know, it's a bottle cap. Right. Yep. Yeah, I'd like. That's what I like about my V3i is it's got the bottle cap rejection on it, and we can shut them right off, and not even pick them up. So. Yeah, I had a. Uh, I've actually had a couple of the XP Deuses. I, I really didn't. It, it's a good machine. Um, don't get me wrong. It's a right. great machine. You know, I mean, it's, it's a, you know, just from what I understand, it's an awesome relic machine. Uh huh. But for a coin shooter like me, um, it, it was, it, you know, even though it was all wireless and everything, I, I, the thing I really didn't like about it is the control unit was really small. And the buttons were really small, but that thing was a bottle cap magnet. Every other target was a bottle cap coming out of there, and they all sounded like uh, silver quarters. No. Oh. Well, that's too bad. So I, I, I got rid of got rid of those, and that's when I, uh, I had the XP Deus uh, in between the AT Pro and the E Track. Uh huh. And that's why I decided to make that change. Yeah. Actually, actually won the I actually won both of those machines, so it was a it was a fairly cheap cheap advancement uh, hobby. Oh, well, that's good. So, do you belong to clubs over there, or? Do I belong to the club? Yeah, do you belong to a club over there? 
No, no, the local clubs, the uh, Gopher State Treasure Hunters, I don't uh, currently belong to. My, it's uh, it's my schedule just kind of conflicts with their meeting times and all that stuff. So, right. you know, I do know quite a few guys from the from the uh, club, and you know, we've talked. I have nothing. You know, it's the club's awesome for um, people that are able to interact with uh, with the members and get over to the meetings and and able to attend their uh, events and stuff, but. Right. Just because of my schedule, I'm, I'm unable to do that. So it's, no. it's not that I have anything against the club. It's just it just doesn't work out for my uh, schedule for me. So Right. But you have a Facebook group. I do have a Facebook group. Um, actually, I didn't start it. Uh, it was actually started by a gentleman by the name of Jesse. And offhand, I cannot remember his last name. Um, at some point in time, I believe he, was, he only had the page for about a year. It's the uh, Minnesota Metal Detecting uh-huh. on Facebook. Um, he had, he only had it for about a year. He got into the hobby and started the, uh, started the page. Um, and then just, he was one of those people that metal detecting just didn't get in his blood like the rest of us did. Okay. And, uh, he, uh, transferred, I really can't say ownership, but gave the adminship to, uh, Stephen Shoemaker. Uh-huh. And Stephen was admin on the page for quite a while. Yep. But, uh, and at one point in time, he asked me if I wanted to help him being admin on the page and I said sure you know I was on the page all the time so it was kind of a, a nice fit a win-win situation uh, it was oh yeah at the time it was um and it's only gotten better but Stephen was uh he's into his his gold prospect prospecting that's really his uh his niche and he has a page um for the Minnesota gold prospectors okay uh that he admins on that so um, he moved on and went, I think he's, you know, devoting more time to that aspect of, of his hobby. So okay. I, I took over the page and been doing that for, I think it's, uh, three years now, maybe four. How many people you have in the, on the group? Well, when I started, I think there was 245 and now I believe we're up to somewhere in the range of like 1450. Something like that. Wow, that's a pretty good. Um, we do have, yeah, we do have a few people from from farther out in the country. Right. Um, they were early ads into the page, uh, and then we decided after talking to the group and kind of getting a, a consensus among the people that we really wanted to keep it local. Um, so we're keeping it. We're trying to keep everyone that's been added probably for the last two years is within the five state area: uh-huh. uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa. Uh, North and South Dakota, so right. we've kind of kept it local, and you know we're we're not looking to be the the biggest page, just um, you know one of the better pages of metal detecting out there. Right. Yeah. And I think I think that seems to be working out pretty well. You know, we have a great group of people on the page, and all very helpful. They're, you know, I don't know how many other Facebook pages you um, are a member on, but <coughs> you know they get get to be some uh, pretty strange things happening on those other pages. Oh yes, there is. I stuff like that. So. I administer. Let's see, nine different pages, and I'm a master, a webmaster for one, two, three, four websites. That's awesome. So, it gets me going. Plus, yeah, it definitely gets you going, but yeah. uh, we don't seem to have those problems on, on this page, which is was really nice. I did bring a couple of moderators in to help me out. Um, right. You know, just to, I, you know, I can't be on the page all the time, and... And right. It's nice to have someone there to kind of answer questions for people when they need answered. 
Right. You know, kind of keep the conversation going. Just make sure there's there's nothing getting on the page that uh, shouldn't be on uh, there. Shouldn't be there. And, yeah. You know, I, I think in the entire time that I've been on on the page is you know less than a handful of things that I've actually had to remove from the page or talk to people about. So, right. Yeah. I kind of watch the pages people. too. That you got to watch and kind of look into the people that want to join and see what they're doing. And some of them are just uh, they just want to sell stuff and sell stuff and stuff. You know, and they don't even metal detect. Right, and there, as a matter of fact, there's a lot of people that um, I brought into the pages that don't mod metal detect. Uh-huh. Um, it's not so much, you know, I, I, I try to do as good as I can to, to verify who I'm adding to the page. But right, yeah. There's a lot of people that just are interested in the hobby and like seeing what other people find, matter of fact. Right. A while back here, I did some uh, membership cleanup of people that I saw that had, had been on the page for a long, long time, but I've never seen them post. Uh-huh. Um, so I just took them off the page. Yeah. Um, just to, just to clear some room. Uh, it wasn't very many. It was just a, a handful of them. But one of those people happened to contact me. Uh, matter of fact, the next day and asked me what happened, why they weren't on the page anymore. And they, they explained to me that, you know, I don't metal detect, but I really like seeing all the posts and everything and seeing all the finds and everything. So that mm-hmm. person was added back onto the page. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. I kind of watched that for the Umbro Valley treasure hunters. I belong to that club because my daughter lives in. St. Charles, Minnesota, just outside of Rochester. So I joined their yeah, group. Yeah, I've heard of them. How, how, big are, how big are they? They don't have a big club. They're probably 15 people. But uh, Randy Kuznicki is the club president of the Zumbro Valley Treasure Hunters. Mm-hmm. And it's based out of Rochester, Minnesota. Right. And, yeah, I've been a member now for a couple years down there because... Like I said, my daughter lives down there in Minnesota and, and works down there, so I figured I might as well yeah. you know, jump on the club down there because I'm down to yeah, like, her house, you know. I saw a couple of your, your posts you getting ready to go down to one of their meetings and you're loading up some uh, equipment and so on and so forth. Yeah, I, took a, I do it once a year. I take a bunch of stuff down and uh, talk metal detecting and answer any questions that you know people may have, and we go from there. Yeah, but uh, uh, what got you into this hobby? Well, a friend of mine had came back from California, yep. and he had stopped back. Well, he, he would come back every year from California. He'd come back on a vacation, but he probably uh-huh. moved back. And one of the times he happened to stop over at the house, he brought over um, a little box with all his finds. I, I, oh, yeah. I joke, I joke all the time. I think all metal detectors have one of those boxes of stuff that they would uh, probably just walk by if it was laying on the ground, but once they find it in the ground, it becomes a treasure to them. Yep, that's right. And they save one. And, of course, I think we all have one. As a matter of fact, I know I have one. But yeah. he brought one over, and he had some uh, some really cool coins that he'd found and some older jewelry and uh, some World War II memorabilia uh, that was period of the time. And um, it just it really piqued my interest. And I was looking to get into something that... Um, it could get me outside. Um, yeah, I was, I was kind of transitioning from that, being a younger person wanting to spend the weekends with my friends out at the bars and having fun. To that was really getting old, and I needed to find something else to do. So, yep. uh, that's uh, I picked up metal detecting and um, went out, and that's yeah, basically so- the entire story. Was it, it was. All the, however you want to look at it, uphill or downhill from there, but uh, it's become <laughs> quite an addiction for me. So, oh, that's good. You know, it's, it's, it's 
pretty amazing when you when you get that high tone and you're just not sure what it is and pull yeah, that I, plug in you. I saw you your uh, over gold sitting there. Yeah, I saw your uh, video that you found. What was that? A silver half in that park? Yep, that was. Yep, that was last season. That was my second half I've ever found. First one was a uh, Franklin. Uh-huh. Uh huh. That was a the second one. The one I found, the one you're referring to, was a 45 Walking Liberty, and it was a uh, pretty amazing condition. We uh, the group of guys that I normally go out with. We uh, spent quite a few Saturdays at that location, and um, there were some pretty awesome finds that came out of there. Oh yeah. What is your most? I know we hear this all the time. What's your most favorite find? What is your most memorable find that you found? It's really hard to say, but I really want to, I think my most memorable is my first one that I found actually was that piece of iron ore. Yeah. Um, it's the reason for it be is there's no value to it whatsoever, but right. I do have it sitting on my desk at work. It's been sitting there since, since the day I found it. But, uh, the funny part about it was, is, is I had done a lot of research, um, not so much about the equipment, but more about the hobby before I actually got into the hobby. And uh, one of the things that I had uh, came up during my research was meteorites. Mm-hmm. And I started, I started seeing how valuable they were compared to gold. I mean, some of them are just ridiculous. Things. Oh yeah. You know, uh, yep. A chunk from a chunk from Mars is just ungodly. It's like unbelievable, thousand dollars an ounce or something like yeah, that. Or, yeah, yeah, there. Gram or something. It was just just ridiculous. So, of course, when I found that. And it's kind of a strange story, too, because, like I said, it was my my very, very first day out metal detecting. Mm-hmm. No experience whatsoever. Um, and I got that signal and started digging the plug. And uh, I didn't have a pinpointer at the time. I hadn't purchased a pinpointer. I didn't even know what a pinpointer was. <laughs> and I was looking, you know, I'm looking through all the dirt as it's coming out. I must have looked pretty silly sitting there. And I kept digging and digging and digging and kept waving my metal detector over the hole and, you know, I kept getting that signal, and it was it was a strong signal. Looking back, I know that it was a strong signal, but um, I kept digging and digging and digging. I, I was probably literally a foot down, mm-hmm. and I pulled this I pulled this big rock out of the hole, and I tossed it off to the side into the dirt pile, and I kept digging and digging and digging, and waved my detector over the hole, and lo and behold, the signal was gone, and that that really baffled me at the time. <laughs> um, and of course, I swung over the dirt piles and swung over that rock and of course my detector went off again and I uh-huh. moved the rock out of the way to look for what was ever there not even thinking the rock could possibly be setting my metal detector off right Hot I was rock. covered with dirt you couldn't you couldn't you couldn't see that iron part in the uh, the rock at the time because it was so dirty but, right uh, yep and of course I moved the rock and some of the dirt and the signal went away and so you know I was probably at that hole for a half hour uh-huh. I must have looked pretty silly on, the, on my knees digging through uh, piles <laughs> of dirt looking for something you know I was expecting some you know, gold bullion or pirate treasure to come out of it as deep as I was. And <laughs> I finally came to the conclusion uh, it was actually by accident moving that rock out of the way went over my coil that happened to be sitting next to me and the detector went off. Yeah. And of course I waved that rock over the coil and that where it was. And, you know, after researching meteorites, I thought, oh my God, I found a meteorite. <laughs> my first day out, I find a meteorite. I'm rich. Yeah, yeah. You know, and of course, of course I got home that day and cleaned it up and looked at it and Living in Minnesota, being an iron ore country, I should have, you know, realized what it was, but I think I was so excited about it being a meteorite that, of course, I got on the internet and was looking up all types of internets and looking for pictures that look close to it and, you know, 
of course, you start seeing things when you're all excited like that. And I found all these oh, pictures yeah. on the internet that looked the same, and I was sure I had a had a uh, meteorite. And I finally made an appointment with uh, one of the geologists about the University of Minnesota. And I don't know if you've ever been down there before, but going down to the University of Minnesota is, is quite an experience all in itself. There's absolutely nowhere to park down there. So yeah, I've been to the University uh, Hospital. That's about as close as I've been. Yeah, well, I finally <coughs> found a parking spot and. I couldn't find the building on campus. Uh-huh. I wandered for probably an hour trying to find the building. Eventually found the building and got inside. And, of course, his office happened to be in the basement of the building down a dark corridor. So finding <laughs> the office was next to impossible. Yeah. And I walk in through the door, and he happened to be teaching a class. Or at least, you know, he had about five students in the, in the room. I don't know if it was a class or they were going through whatever they were doing. But right. I walked through the door, and all five of them or six of them stopped instantly what they were doing and all looked at me and I was like, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. He goes, no, fine, come on in. And I walked in and he took a look at it and within probably 20 seconds he looked at me and said, well, I hate to tell you this, but you got a piece of iron ore. <laughs> so, well, I kind of put I the dampers to, to things. Kind of with, yeah, I walked back to my car kind of with my tail between my legs. And, <laughs> but it was, a, it was a learning experience. So. Yeah, yeah. That's one advantage I like about the V3i that I run. It's got a meteorite program right on it. Oh, it's awesome. And you can kick it over to the meteorite program and, and check some of that stuff out, which is nice. What? Yeah, I actually have a, uh, a GTI 2500 also, but I haven't got the, uh, the uh, uh, two-coil. Yep. Uh, the two-box two box coil. Right, board. yep. I think it's called yep. the treasure round. Yep. I haven't got that adapter for it yet, but... I actually won that one too, and it was a used, a used one. And uh, the only reason I got into uh, that raffle was even knowing it was used. Is that's exactly why I wanted to do. My plans were eventually to get a uh, a treasure on two box coil and put it on it, and possibly go meteorite hunting. But right, yep. You know, after doing after doing some more research, there's there's it is possible to find some in Minnesota. Yep, going to be fairly small. There's but there's there's no real meteorite debris fields that. Right, um, fairly close to the cities. There are there are some uh, <clears throat> north and south, and of course east and west. They're everywhere except where I am. So right, this you, is kind of on the back burner for now. But uh, <clears throat> eventually, I, I may do that. Do you travel at all to go hunting? Any different places? Any faraway places? Uh, we do we do day trips. Okay. Um, I haven't actually left the state. Well, I've been to Wisconsin, of course. Yeah. Um. We've been we've been out there a couple times uh, to a few places. Some of the private uh, permissions that I've had. And, right. Uh, um, I think we stopped at one of the parks out there when we're uh, they were having the uh, uh, rock show. I believe I believe it was in Eclair. I can't remember where it was. It was quite a few years ago. That we okay. Won, but, yep. Uh, other than that, I haven't been like to the East Coast where I'd really like to go. Yeah, I'm. I would too. I I've got uh, a couple friends out there that said come on out we'll put you up you know for a week or whatever and you can come out and hunt with us so but oh that would be awesome you know if you can get out there, good girl there's some uh, pretty amazing finds out there oh i know i'd love to go but <clears throat> now with excuse me <clears throat> with this leukemia kind of put a damper to things so it's uh you know i can only do certain things and i can't be out in the cold and kind of put a stop to stuff you know yeah that makes it kind of rough when you live in wisconsin yeah you got that right so anyway uh is there anything else that you want to fill us in on or 
that you've been doing? Um, not much. Um, just, uh, you know, if you're looking to maybe get into the hobby, or if you're in the hobby, you know, check out our Facebook page. Yep. You know, everyone in that five-state area is, you know, welcome. Yep. You know, we have, it's just a, just a great group of people. I, I know you're on it on a, on a pretty much daily basis. And yep. Now that we're coming into uh, the 2019 season, you know, even today I was quite amazed how, you know, I think there was already two gold rings posted today and, and some silver and all kinds of clad and some pretty cool uh, relics coming out of the ground already. And yep. all of our guys have um, started getting into the research aspect of their finds. And, you know, it's fun to see that, seeing, uh, you know, like I said, the goal for the page isn't to be the biggest yeah. or the best. It's just, you know, it's a bit, I want it to be more of a family atmosphere. Oh, that's the way it should be, you know. That's what it is. Yeah, it's a family you know, hobby. Exactly. The people on the on the page are, are beginning to, you know, interact with each other, and that's um, that's awesome. I just I, I love seeing that. I love being yeah. able to help the people out there when I can. And you know, I'm certainly no uh, no metal detector expert, but uh, I'm always willing to help where and mm-hmm. when I can. Right. And one of these days, I'll swing over that kind of way and meet up with some of you guys. <clears throat> well, it'll be awesome. You know, we usually have our fall hunt coming up. Uh, it's usually in September. Yep. Um, our first really big one was last year and that was a, a pretty good success and we had uh, close to i think 70 75 people there i know you wanted to go but you had your locksmith uh yeah um meetings to go to so yep. hopefully we'll get around a weekend that uh, uh you can go yeah yeah that same weekend that they have a locksmith uh trade show uh this year we can't go because we will be taking care of the grandkids for our uh our daughter and son-in-law, they got a wedding to go to, so we're going to be home taking care of them, so we won't be going anywhere. <laughs> well, the date's not set yet. You know, we usually like to wait a little bit later into the season to find out what's actually going on before we uh, post anything, so hopefully you're available and you can... Yeah, that would be great. Swing over yeah. and do a little hunting with you guys and meet some of you guys and have a good day of it. That'd be awesome. All right, Scott. Well, thanks for sh- jumping on the show tonight. I really appreciate it. You're very it. welcome. And uh, you guys have a good hunt this year. Have a safe you hunt. Also? And uh, you make it over this way. Stop in and see me. Oh, I'm usually I'm usually at the lock shop and the detecting shop Monday through Thursday, nine thirty to five. So that's where you'll find me. Oh, but I, otherwise, if I'll I be. I head that way. I'll, I'll call and make sure you're there first. Yeah. Otherwise, I'll be out detecting. Um. I hit uh, our fairgrounds or the uh, Irvine Park. We got Irvine Park here is about 500 acres, and it's got a lot of area to cover. So. Oh, I bet. Well, that's awesome. There should be a lot of stuff in fairgrounds. Oh, yeah. So, okay. How old, how old is that? How old is that fairgrounds? 1847. Oh, you got a lot of work to do. You have to get oh. a bigger coil. <laughs> <laughs> I've already got a 13-inch on my V3i, and that's... That's been finding the stuff. Well, you clear out, clear out some of that trash in those shallow targets and pick up one of those uh, 15-inch monsters and get out there and find those deep ones. Yeah, well, that's what we've been doing. But it's uh, the thing is private. You can't be in there unless you get permission from uh, Rusty or uh, Joe. Joe is the head maintenance yep. guy. And we get pretty much got that uh, taken care of. Uh, they give us exclusive rights to hunt it. We put a uh, show on the Three Seasons Treasure Hunters Club, I should say. I stepped away from the club. Uh, they put a 
uh, display on the, at the fair every year. <coughs> but I'm busy running our uh, two locks, uh, the locksmith and the metal detecting shop. And yep. now I got my training, the metal detectors training session coming up May 18th at my shop. I, this will be the third year that I've done this. And it keeps getting bigger and bigger, so. Well, that's awesome. Good luck with that. Yeah. So, anyway, thanks for jumping on. I appreciate it. And good luck hunting this year. And I hope to uh, meet up with you one of these days. Awesome. I appreciate it. And uh, back at you. All right. Thanks, Scott. Yep. Have a good night, Kenny. You too. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. There we have it. Scott Olson from the Minnesota treasure hunters facebook page group so all right everybody out there have a great night we're gonna get out of here and um working on the uh easter egg hunt for white's electronics and uh i'll be getting out hiding them so watch for the clues those will be coming up so until next time take care god bless and happy hunting